Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 77. Today's episode is all about hacking reality through EFT or tapping. I might have you just tap lightly on your collarbone, top of your sternum, and close your eyes and just say, show me an image of my younger self who first decided whatever it was that I'm too fat or the world's dangerous place. And then usually 85% of the time, an image pops up. It's really that easy. And what's so cool, I never get over how amazing this is, usually the image that pops up isn't a younger self, it's the younger self, where that issue or pattern or belief started. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends and wild women. Today's episode is on a topic that I've been wanting to dive deeper into for a few years now. So now's my chance, and I am stoked. But first, a public service announcement. Now that my voice is back, I am committing to 30 days of IGTV. If you don't know what IGTV is, they're little videos on Instagram. So I'm doing 30 days of these short little videos. And these will be on my personal account at MindLoveMelissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A. And you can think of them like mini Mind Love episodes on targeted topics. And your feedback on these mini videos is going to help inspire future full-length Mind Love episodes. Plus, there's just an extra layer of interactions on Instagram that I've been craving lately. And I want to be able to connect with you all in new ways. Hear your stories. Because it's through that kind of connection that will really help me serve all of you the best that I can. Plus, it'll just be a fun way to stay up on your growth daily instead of having to wait weekly for your mind love. So head to Instagram at mindlovemelissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, and catch my 30 days of IGTV. I figure if I tell you guys enough, I will definitely have to keep to the 30 days. And while I have your attention, if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. And if you find Mind Love useful, please leave a five-star review. That's really what helps grow the show. I did notice that plenty of you must have because I noticed an uptick in the analytics. So if I could encourage you all to hit that subscribe button or leave a review or ask as a favor, it would mean the world to me. Okay, now on to today's episode. We are talking about EFT, otherwise known as tapping. And it's something that you can learn to do yourself at home for free. And it's incredibly powerful. Tapping is said to actually stimulate the instant release of stored emotions. So like I said, I became interested in this years ago because I saw all of these people online raving about this technique, saying that they've been able to resolve issues like stress and anxiety and phobias and weight issues and sexual issues, eating disorders, chronic pain, addiction, limiting beliefs 
The list is endless. You start to wonder, how is this even possible? Especially when you learn how simple this technique is. But as we've learned, emotions and trauma are actually stored in your body. Well, tapping utilizes meridian points that are commonly used in acupuncture and acupressure. They're kind of like little energy hotspots. And the tapping gently stimulates these energy hotspots to release and then restore balance in your body's energy. As simple as it sounds, all you have to do is gently tap with your fingertips on these specific meridian points while focusing on negative emotions. You're almost purging them. It's like shit-talking your deepest fears. (laughs) Somehow this calms the nervous system and rewires your brain. Crazy, right? It's probably one of the coolest ways I've ever found of using the mind-body connection for deep emotional and physical healing. And today we are learning all about it, including how to do it yourself. Our guest is Rob Nelson, EFT practitioner and master trainer. And he's also author of the book Hacking Reality, which is a book specifically written to help you make huge breakthroughs really fast. He even has an academy, y'all, a Tapping the Matrix Academy, where he's helped hundreds of people worldwide. And now he's helping us today. We will learn what's really going on when we self-sabotage. And guess what? It is not what you think. How to identify and release core beliefs that are holding us back and how to address common blocks to success, including procrastination. And obviously, you'll learn these at-home tapping techniques. Before we dive in, I want to share the easiest way to start each day with a positive mindset. Thousands of other wild women are loving my daily morning mind love emails. They're short daily reminders of your own beauty, magic, and power that are the perfect addition to your morning routine. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get a really cool free booklet of Powerless based on proven principles from the most successful people to automate your best self. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation. It's set to a magical binaural frequency known as the Miracle Tone, which is known to make you a magnet for love, health, and abundance. The layered affirmations perfectly tune your frequency for personal transformation. Go to mindlove.com to sign up, or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 444-999. That's MORNING to 444-999. And now let's welcome Rob Nelson to the show. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. To start out, give us a little background on you and what led you to your current work. Okay. I guess I always knew since maybe high school, which was an incredibly long time ago, that I should probably be some kind of counselor or therapist just because people would come up to me and start telling me their problems. (laughs) So eventually it dawned on me, I probably should get paid for this. So I, I studied psychology and counseling and, and university and graduate school. And there are definite limits to conventional talk therapy. And my early career was working with traumatized kids in shelter homes or group homes. And eventually I just burned out. There weren't enough tools to really make a difference to help those kids. So I went off and did massage for years. I love massage. There's a instant gratification to it. You know, if you're good, 
your client always feels better when, when you're done. Not always the case with talk therapy. So in 2007, my wife started acting really different. And it was a good upgrade, but such a dramatic change. I finally asked her, hey, what's going on? And she'd been doing tapping, EFT tapping. And I thought, well, I guess I'll give that a try. And wow, a lot of people who start have changes they didn't even know were possible. And that's how it was for me. And pretty soon it dawned on me, I should probably be doing this with clients. So that was, I hung out my shingle in 2008 as an EFT practitioner. And then there's this amazing sort of EFT 2.0 called matrix room printing that came along about that time. And anyway, I dive deep into that. And now it's my life. I work with clients. I train other practitioners how to do it. And I just finally had to write a book about about all this good stuff because it's just fascinating. Everybody should know how to tap. I just have so many stories of what you might call miraculous changes. I just finally had to sit down and write it all out. So I just put out that book in, well, three weeks ago. Congratulations on that. I've been going through it. It has amazing reviews. <laughs> For listeners out there that might not know what tapping is, what is tapping and what's happening when you tap? That's a great question. Tapping with tapping, we're using our fingertips to tap on specific acupuncture points. And it's a way of shedding old stuck feelings, trapped guilt or anger, shame, sadness, fear, anxiety, just very, very quickly. It's also a way of changing stuck beliefs and even often working on a physical level that's kind of spooky. But what we're really doing with the tapping is we're hacking into a part of the brain that's nonverbal and yet controls so much of the big stuff. So I like to say if you met a vet who'd come back from Afghanistan, you know, and they had massive PTSD, they're just so tweaked out, you can't really just tell them, hey, you know, you're safe now, you know, you're home, it's okay, just let it go, relax. You know, you could say that, but you wouldn't really expect that to help almost be insulting, they would love to relax. It isn't like they haven't hasn't occurred to them that they're home. But the part of our brain that controls fight or flight, that has it, the volume knob for stress, is this nonverbal part of the brain. It, it evolved millions of years before human speech centers. So talking to it doesn't really work. But the tapping hacks right into that part of the brain. And whatever we're focusing on, whatever's wrong, while we're tapping, it just tells that amygdala really is the main player there. Just, hey, this is cool now. Let it go. And changes happen incredibly fast. In a nutshell, that's what tapping is. What about for the person who hasn't gone to Afghanistan and, and undergone that severe <laughs> trauma? What are some things that the average person tends to hold on to? And where do those stuck beliefs come from? Two great questions. Let me start with the emotional component there. You definitely don't have to go to war to have horrific trauma. A lot of my clients have experienced sexual abuse, various kinds, um, or you know, physical abuse at the hand of their own parents, often bullying, feeling hurt or rejected by a, a loved one or your partner, 
going through a painful breakup, having done something in your past that you feel tremendously guilty about, but you just can't seem to let it go. I work with people who are stuck in grief. I don't want to say grief is a negative feeling, but if you're just trapped in it, you're stuck. It does become negative. It ruins your life. And there's all kinds of fears and anxieties. People have anxiety up to the level of massive panic attacks, and tapping can just really help that release very quickly. Now, the beliefs are are interesting. We tend to pick those up when we're going through some kind of traumatic experience. In my field, we have a definition for trauma that seems pretty mild to a lot of people. It isn't necessarily something really horrible. It's any time we go into fight or flight, but then have a feeling of helplessness. You know, whatever's happening is such a shock to us, such a surprise. Maybe we feel isolated that we just don't seem to have any tools for dealing with it, which if you think about a little kid, this can happen a lot. I just put out a a bunch of pictures of the kids encountering the Easter bunny, like some grown-up dressed up in a costume, and they're all just absolutely terrified, traumatized. So when we have those moments of trauma, we just automatically make a decision in that moment about why the hell is this happening? And those decisions are either about ourselves or there are decisions we make about life. If you're a little kid, you try to take responsibility for everything going on around you. So if you look up and your your dad's hitting your mom, well, it has to be my fault if I'm four years old. I shouldn't have been playing or I'm a bad boy or whatever it is. We make these decisions and then pretty much get stuck with them in the sense that from that point on, we're misinterpreting everything that happens to us through those lenses, those perceptual filters. So with the tapping, we can take away the emotional distress underlying when the beliefs were adopted that kind of hold them in place. And we could just actually tap on the beliefs themselves and they start to lose their legitimacy, their credibility. It's kind of magical. Do all of these beliefs and patterns begin in childhood, or can we even pick them up later on in life? And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to beliefs and patterns begin in childhood, or can we even pick them up later on in life? That's an interesting question. We believe now most of them we've picked up by the age of six, and then they tend to get reinforced over and over and over as we go through life. And the reason you'll hear this from a lot of people picking up before the age of six is at that time, we really don't have access to what's called the alpha No, the beta brainwave state. I always get the Greek letters mixed up. 
So like you and I, we listen to each other just automatically assessing, gosh, do I agree with that? Does that strike me as true? Does that make sense? But for a little kid, they just can't do that. They literally don't have the brainwave state to be able to discern whether something's accurate or not. So, you know, if dad comes home and he's pounding the table saying, God damn it, an honest man can't get a break in this world. And I'm watching and I'm three or four years old. I'm just taking that in. I can't think to myself, gosh, dad seems really upset today. Is that really true? I'm not going to be able to question what I'm taking in. So most of the damage is done before age six, where we start to have those critical faculties. And then what happens down, down the road as we go through different situations, those beliefs tend to be reinforced. I do think I have a pet theory that when we go through puberty and we start having sexual feelings and romantic relationships, we can get hit with some new ones because we're sort of reborn as a new kind of person there. And I just meet so many people who have been messed up by their first romantic encounters. I think that might be a place where we do, in later years, pick, pick up new beliefs. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I was definitely messed up by my first <laughs> romantic encounter. I don't think you can call it romantic at all. And it's weird because it's something I've always knew happened, but I kind of repressed the emotions around it, if that makes sense. And I finally started to unravel and unpack it during the Me Too movement a couple of years ago. And mm. I believe that it popped up when I was finally able to handle going there. <laughs> a long time, I don't think I was strong enough to even touch on the subject. Oh, yeah. And that's a really interesting insight. The more intense the, I'm going to just say traumatic memory, the more we're kind of protected from the intensity of it. It's encapsulated, if you will, but dissociation, it's held away from our conscious awareness to some extent, and we can even forget anything happened. I, in fact, every once in a while, I'll have a client who has no childhood memories at all before the age of like 12 or something, and it isn't like nothing happened, of course. you know, It's just they're being so heavily protected from the raw intensity, or people say, well, yeah, I have these memories of being molested by my grandpa, but I have no feelings about it. So it's no big deal, right? <laughs> well, no, it's kind of a big deal. It's the feelings are there, and they're just held down below our awareness. But then all of a sudden, something will happen, and they'll come flooding into us. We may not even know where they're coming from, or what the memory was, or even we just assume there are feelings even when they don't really make sense. That's, that's specifically in a panic attack what's happening. Usually there's nothing even going on. All of a sudden I'm terrified and I don't know why, which just adds another level of fear because I think I must be going crazy. So like you said, you know, when you've got strong enough, you're able to start unpacking that, start feeling it again or tuning into that. And that's great. That's super healthy. I'm actually really interested in repressed trauma. And this is probably TMI, but let's be real, too much information is kind of my brand. So uh, I'll just go ahead and share. When I was young, 
my mom had me in therapy because she suspected I could have been molested. I had a kind of inappropriate public masturbation problem that lasted for years and I would just do it in the classroom. And at that time, it was kind of a fear that children who wouldn't stop masturbating may have been molested, even though I know probably many parents jumped the gun with that one. But then there've just been a lot of other signs throughout my lifetime. And even eating disorders can stem from being molested as a child. I just have this feeling that there's something there, but I have zero memory of it. And so I've always been curious about uncovering repressed memories just to see if something pops up. Is that something that you recommend people do is uncover repressed traumas or can it be better to just leave it there sometimes? I would recommend people work with an actual practitioner if you're worried about something really heavy duty. Um, working with a practitioner is always way more effective. That said, tapping is a game changer because it works immediately and often dramatically. So if you just, something's wrong. I mean, you wouldn't start going after a memory like that if you didn't feel like, hmm, something's not right in my life. So you just can start on the surface if you're feeling anxious or sad or you're having trouble with, you know, overeating or something, you just tap on the presenting problem and it can start making it safer and safer and safer for the the big stuff to come out. But dealing with your own sexual abuse or heavy-duty trauma, it is best to have to work with a professional, I think. That makes sense. Trauma can be scary. And when it just unlocks and we have no way to manage it, that can actually be really dangerous. I am curious, though, your, your book is titled Hacking Reality. What do you mean when you say hacking in that context? Well, the term hacking, of course, comes from the computer world. And there it means a kind of backdoor approach to getting in to a system, changing it. Uh, so you slip in to make clever, creative changes to the source code. There's sort of a playful, artful, unconventional aspect to hacking, and maybe even a little bit of an outlaw kind of feel to it, like you're breaking the rules. So with the work I do, we're, we're again, we're hacking into the limbic brain, this nonverbal part of the brain, and making these changes. We're getting into the source code, if you will. I've started feeling like, well, each of us has our own personal operating system, just like your computer would have. And that operating system has lines of code that, you know, these ones that we picked up in childhood that are wrong, like I've decided I'm unlovable or the world's a safe place or relationships are always doomed to horrible suffering. You know, these lines of code we can get in there and edit them, revise them, and or just delete them. So that's the hacking part of it. These techniques like EFT and matrix re-imprinting allow us to get in there and sort of make these changes that are really unprecedented. We didn't used to be able to do this kind of stuff at all. These beliefs that we hold from when we're younger, is this why we end up sabotaging ourselves in different ways later on in life? 
Yes, but it's actually our younger selves. And this might sound weird to some of your listeners, but you know, most of us, we just naturally think of ourselves as, as one person or an individual. This is me. I'm the captain of my ship, all that sort of thing. But then maybe I decide to stop eating sugar. And a few days later, I'm watching my hand moving a piece of cake toward my mouth in horror. Like, <laughs> ah, how is that happening? Who the hell is in charge of my hand? I made that decision. Now my hand is... Well, anyway, this idea that we're individuals, uh, so there's an idea in psychology called parts. Like we're, we're actually more of a collective than there's just one of us. And in my field, uh, matrix free imprinting, we believe that those parts are actually these younger selves. They got split off in some trauma or bad experience, and they have a kind of independent consciousness. So what's weird is they don't know we exist we as our adult selves, they aren't really tuned into who we are, but our actions can trigger them. And these younger selves subconscious, they have all kind of access to our physical body, to our subconscious mind. So I guess the gist here is that instead of the term self-sabotage, I think it's actually more self-protection from the point of view of we've got these younger selves. They're trying to keep us from doing something stupid, and they're trying to keep us safe. So the way it works is when we make a goal, like as our adult, healthy, (laughs) responsible self, we make a goal like, oh, I'm going to stop eating wheat, or I'm going to get up early every day and do some yoga, or gosh, I'm going to sign up for that French class, or whatever it is. Our goal is somehow registering with these younger selves as a threat. It's a threat either to our physical safety or to our sense of identity. So getting back to the the cake thing, you know, I've decided to go on a diet, but that decision somehow registers with a younger self as being really threatening because hey, I kind of, not thinking about this, but the last time I was thin, let's say around puberty, I got some very unwanted sexual attention and to a traumatic level. So for my younger self at that time, being thin is scary, extremely scary. And now my adult decision to try and become thin is just registering as this huge threat. And my adult self... (laughs) is in charge of my metabolism or has a lot of influence there, metabolism and appetite. And he's really the one in charge now of shoving that cake into my mouth. (laughs) So that's one way this works. So a single event from as far back as childhood can be affecting our actions today. But how do we locate that single event that caused everything? And when we do, how do we know that it was that event that was the root? Well, we've got this new tool called matrix re-imprinting. And to me, it's just the best thing in the world. It uses the EFT tapping. But so if you were my client and you identified a memory where let's just say something really bad happened and oh just to pick an age let's say you're five years old i would guide you and i would team up to become co-practitioners and i would have you as you are right now step into that memory step into that scene 
and work with your little five-year-old self. I'd guide you through asking her, hey, what are you feeling? What did you decide in this moment you know, about yourself or life? And then guide you through doing some tapping with her. What's weird is these younger selves are real in a way. Let me give you an example. So mind-blowing to me. Really early on, I was working with this woman in the Midwest who grew up in Russia. And she had this little, say, four- or five-year-old younger self. And when I had her step into the picture and talk with her younger self, my client, she said, well, she's just looking at me. She's not saying anything, which (laughs) was really weird. That hadn't happened before for me as a practitioner. And I, I said, well, is she aware of it? Oh, yeah, she's looking right at me. She just seems confused. And, oh, my God, I was kind of panicking, like, what's happening here? Finally, after what seemed like an attorney, I I asked my client, are you talking to your younger self in English? Yeah. Does she speak English? No. Can you speak to her in Russian? Yeah. So off we went. Her younger self did not speak English. Now, I knew my client wasn't making this up or pranking me or something, Because, you know, why would she? She's paying me. It's pretty freaky. But these younger selves, where was I going with that? (laughs) Oh, we can tap away their distress, get them out of what we call the freeze response. And then in this technique, we change the scene they're in. We change the picture. We basically come up with a new memory that overwrites the original, something really good and happy that creates a new positive belief. So before I felt unlovable or the world is not a safe place, now it's just the opposite. We re-imprint this through the brain, the body, and the heart. And it's weird, but when you look back, if all went well, you know the original thing happened, but when you look back, you see the new picture and you feel the wonderful positive feelings from it. So that doesn't completely answer your question, like how do we find these memories? It turns out they're incredibly easy to find. Anytime we went into the freeze response, it's like that memory is red flagged and we can access it really easily all the way back into the womb, bypassing the rational mind. here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. 
It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. back up for a second to the freeze response because I don't know what that is. <laughs> and I'm also curious about the process of finding that single event that can cause trauma for the rest of our lives. Sure. Well, the freeze response is what happens when fight or flight seems to fail. Fight or flight is half of your nervous system that's been activated to, you know, either run away or do battle. But especially when you're a little kid, you just can't, especially if it's mom or dad who's scaring you. So the amygdala, that part of the brain, the nonverbal part, flips you from fight or flight into the freeze response. Instead of being activated, it's, well, it's actually a deep relaxation, (laughs) not the like chilling at the beach with a good novel kind, more like the pee your pants kind. But in that moment, because of this overwhelming sense of doom that we have, the brain stores that memory in a very peculiar way, very similar to the memory of when you learn to ride a bicycle. I did meet someone once who had never learned to ride a bike. She'd grown up in Manhattan, and it just was not a thing, I guess. But, you know, most people who have learned to ride a bike know, even if they hadn't ridden a bike for 10, 20 years, they'd still be able to get back on and ride it, right? Does that Mm -hmm. resonate with you? Yeah. Well, the thing is, you wouldn't get back on the bike after 10 years and remember how to ride a bike. You actually never forgot. It's kept current by your brain. And the same thing for these traumatic memories, they're stored in exactly the same kind of memory. They don't fade over time. They don't just go away. They're always right there below the surface. And which the silver lining there is, they're incredibly easy to locate. So if you and I were working, I might have you just tap lightly on your collarbone, top of your sternum, and close your eyes and just say, 
show me an image of my younger self who first decided, you know, whatever it was that I'm too fat or the world's dangerous place. And then usually 85% of the time, an image pops up. It's really that easy. And what's so cool, I never get, <laughs> I never get over how amazing this is. Usually the image that pops up isn't a, a younger self, it's the younger self where that issue or pattern or belief started. A lot of times it doesn't make any sense to my client. They're, they're like, gosh, this is weird. I've never even thought of this before, but this is what came up. And then once we're into it, it's like, oh my God, this is it. Okay. So all I want to do now is tap, but where do I tap on my body? Oh, that's the easy part. <laughs> that, that <laughs> there's certain points. You can find a tapping chart online. Just Google EFT tapping points. You'll find a million different charts. I've got one on my website, Tapping the Matrix. So there's certain key acupuncture points. Most of them, you know, I don't know if you know, but meridians go all through the body. There's different meridians that go to different organs, for example. And most of the points we're tapping on are the first point, the origin of one of these meridians. And the great thing is you don't need to know anything about acupuncture, about the meridians. So we just tap on the same points over and over in a circle. And it's so easy. I've taught like a five-year-old child how to tap. It's learning the basic tapping just takes a few minutes. It's incredibly simple. And even at this most basic, simple form, you can do amazing things with it. It's pretty incredible. So we're tapping these acupuncture meridian points, but what's actually happening? Is it disturbing the energy or releasing the energy in some way? The idea is that we're sending a little electrical impulse shooting through the meridians, and anywhere that there's a log jam, a congested energy, we're, we're breaking it up. We're getting all that energy to flow smoothly. And sometimes this just takes a few minutes to do. It depends on the issue. I remember my very first client who was racked with this all-consuming guilt, and within a few minutes it was gone. And she was sitting in my office just blinking like an owl saying, where did it go? What happened? (laughs) It was was (laughs) like, wow, this is so cool, you know. That's my thought bubble. Because, you know, she'd had this guilt for 40, 50 years. So the more obvious traumas like eating disorders or or blatant self-sabotage, those are pretty easy to pick out and identify. But there are a lot more subtle ways that we self-sabotage to the point of actually reenacting our childhood trauma over and over again in our current relationships. What are some of the ways we do this and what's the way out? Oh my God, that is just my favorite question ever. (laughs) One of the almost spooky things that my work taps into is the reenactment of trauma. And early on when I'd start talking about some successful session I had, people would, would basically, what? You can make that stop? And it's like, shut up and take my money. Because <laughs> it's like <laughs> all of us, I think, or most people I, I meet have these repeating patterns in their life. And we can be 
crystal clear on what they are. We can be so aware of them and we just can't make them stop because our subconscious is really is running the show. So you see people, they marry the same or they get in a relationship with the same kind of person over and over and over again. Even if they're trying desperately hard to not do that, it ends up they marry the same abusive person or the same kind of deadbeat project person or whatever it is. The same kind of bully keeps showing up again and again and again, you know? So what's happening there is fascinating. Our subconscious hates these. We call them trauma capsules. Remember I said how the experience gets coated with dissociation? Well, that mm-hmm. has to be parked, held away. Awareness, it takes all this energy to do that. And the psyche just hates It's like a cyst it's trying to get rid of. And for animals, it's the same thing happens with animals. With their fight or flight, though, it's all in the muscles. You know, they really are fleeing. And so all they have to do is shake. If they get back to safety, they didn't get killed. They just shake until all the fight or flight energies out of their muscles. But for humans, it's rarely a case of we're being chased by something. It's more like a social situation. You know, my mom scolding me or, you know, I see my something, I see something bad. So for the shaking, that's in quotation marks to happen, our subconscious mind will set up the same damn situation for us over and over and over thinking, well, maybe this time it'll work. Maybe this time it'll go well. Maybe this time you'll stand up for yourself. Maybe this time you'll fight back. Maybe this time you'll know what to do. And it just doesn't seem to work. Instead, it tends to dig the hole deeper and deeper and reinforce all the beliefs till we're caught in a spider's web. So what we can do is just go back to one of the first times it happened, help that younger self, and the whole thing kind of begins to melt away. We just don't have it show up anymore. It's very exciting uh, when that happens. So I'd love for listeners to get a hang of tapping enough to do some of it on their own without having to hire a practitioner. So I will have a graphic of all of the tapping meridian points and the order in which to tap on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash 077. And it's actually pretty clear. There are nine points starting with that side of your hand called the karate chop. Then we moved it inside the eyebrow, the side of the eye, under the eye. Well, just check out the graphic, you guys. (laughs) And now that they'll have the map of the points and the order in which to do them, you mentioned setting a timer for 12 minutes. But how exactly does that work? It's obviously not going to be each of the points for 12 minutes or we'd be there all day. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's a great question. No, the timer thing is something I discovered for myself, oh, maybe three years ago. It was a game changer for me because I would start tapping on something I was upset about. And then all of a sudden I'm checking Facebook or I'm washing the dishes and it's like, what? How did that happen? (laughs) Just my mind is too slippery, right? So I started just setting a timer for five minutes or eight minutes or whatever. You wouldn't need longer than 12, but no, you would just go around and around and around the points 
basically complaining. Like everybody's pretty good at complaining. We're not supposed to, but we're good at it usually. You're just everything bad about what's troubling you, what's bothering you. You just bring it all up into awareness. You name it. You really go for it as you're tapping. And it just starts to lose all of its energy. So it's kind of like brain dumping or, or purging your negativity. Yes. So let's set aside trauma for a second, because I think one of the ways that we get in our own way the most is just by blocking our own success, like doing little things that keep us from taking an action that we know is going to change everything or like blossom open our lives. An example I like to use for my own life was I had this story I kept replaying in my head that I was too ADD to accomplish anything or to finish anything. And it was so weird when I pinpointed that. I realized, first of all, this was never my story before. And second of all, no, I'm not. And it's like the moment I actually pinpointed that, it was released. And right after that was when I finished the podcasting course and launched Mind Love and been kind of a powerhouse of accomplishing things ever since. So I'm curious, what are some of the most common blocks to success that you've seen in your work, and how do you address them? I've thought about this even recently. I'm, I'm teaching a class for EFT practitioners who, believe it or not, have blocks to success. So I think there's three main categories for this, and I'm sure there's other ones, but the three main categories for the, you know, you want to achieve something or, or gain something, you, you want to manifest something. And the block comes about because one, maybe it's not safe. It probably is safe, but it doesn't feel safe. Or two, it's just not possible. Not for me, maybe for other people, or maybe it's just not possible, period. And then number three would be, well, I don't really deserve it. So those are the groups I was able to come up with. So with the, it's not safe, if I have what I want, <laughs> I'd really like to have a Tesla, trade in my clunky old diesel Jetta wagon and get a Tesla. Wow. But no, my subconscious says, no, 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 it's safe. And here's some, someone will be jealous. People will be jealous. I'll lose my place in my family. I was, I was supposed to be the black sheep or the loser or the problem child. If, if I'm driving around a Tesla, there goes my family standing, which I actually might hate, but I'll be exposed. I found a lot of people grew up being criticized for boasting, especially my Midwestern clients. They come home with, look, I got all A's on my report card and just slap down. Stop that bragging. You're showing off. You're going to make other people feel bad. And so that can be a thing. Well, my dad drove an old beat up Ford. I can't do better than my dad can't make more money than my dad or whatever. It's just, there's quite a few little sub-beliefs there. And then it's not possible. People don't have that much money or I don't have what it takes. Uh, it should have happened by now. I don't have the education or I don't have whatever. And I don't deserve it. Well, basically, fundamentally, I'm not perfect. I have to be perfect to be loved or it's too easy or... I'm not special. There could be just so many subcategories there. But with EFT, you could just start tapping on the belief. Even though I don't deserve to have a Tesla, 
because I don't know. <laughs> Bad example. Even though if I get a test, everyone will be jealous and they'll all hate me. I deeply love and completely accept myself and then just tapping through the points. I'd love to get a Tesla, but I can't. People would be jealous. People would hate me. I wouldn't have any friends anymore. Sort of like that, just tapping through the points. It just very quickly can erode the negative beliefs. A lot of times they seem so real. They seem so valid, so intense until you bring them up into the light. If you do that while you're tapping, a lot of our limiting beliefs just seem so ludicrous once we actually name them and put them out there. They just sort of melt away if you happen to be tapping on them. Do you think that that is the same root that a lot of our procrastination comes from, is these beliefs that are kind of holding us back from taking action on our bigger goals? Yeah, absolutely. Let me say it a different way. There's the idea that the younger selves, are. if you're procrastinating, it means you've set a goal. And now you're not taking the action steps, right, to make it happen. If there's a younger self involved, it can be for a number of different reasons. I don't know for sure, but I think one of the most common ones is you've got a younger self. She's got her hands crossed over her chest, staring up at, like I have a picture of a little girl just looking, someone's wagging a finger in her face and she's just, you can't make me or you're not the boss of me. So again, the way that works is if you grew up with a bossy, domineering parent. Now your decision to like clean your house or get disciplined or whatever, it's registering for your younger self as coming from that oppressive parent. You have stepped into the role of the parent as far as they're concerned, and they're just saying, oh, oh hell no, that's not going to happen. You can't make me. I think that's a huge slice of the pie for procrastination. It's sort of a rebellion, a stubbornness. And but there's other ones too. There's there's a fear of being exposed. If I grew up feeling like uh, no matter what I did, it was never good enough. Maybe I was harshly criticized all the time. I just can't ever get it right. Well, now my adult self makes this decision. I'm finally going to publish a book. It's like oh no no no, we'll be exposed. You know, everyone will see we're not good enough. Can't do that. And instead of working on my book, I'm doing actually I was cleaning my house a lot so that was a win <laughs> so you could see it in terms of beliefs and it is but if you actually think about younger selves you can get sometimes right back to the root of the problem and help them that first example actually hit a chord with me <laughs> I, I was like wait that accurately illustrates a lot of feelings I have <laughs> that I have never quite been able to explain <laughs> I've seen that sometimes with people who want to lose weight. They had their mom or dad was always just haranguing them that they're too fat. And now like they, they actually want to lose weight themselves, but this younger self is like, well, I'm not going to let you win. They're confusing you as your adult self with that oppressive parent. I'll be damned if I let that happen. I want to go back to the example you used with your Russian client when she approached her younger self and had to actually break the language barrier and speak to her in Russian. Once they're able to communicate, 
what are, do you guide her to say to her little girl self that enables her to work through some issues that she's been holding on to for so long? Let me just say first, this technique, it's the matrix reimprinting, isn't so much a self-help technique because there's so many balls in the area you're juggling, but some people do give it a shot. So basically, you would step into the scene. We just freeze everybody else. Whatever action is happening, we just put it on pause so that you have the undivided attention of your younger self. You always want to take her hand because that breaks a sense of isolation that's almost always present in the freeze response. I'd have you introduce yourself. Hey, I'm, I'm you all grown up. I'm you from the future. I'm here to help you. And then once a connection's established, the first question is always, hey, what are you feeling? And that could just be one thing or it could be a whole list of things. And then once that's noted, it's like, what did you decide in this moment? What did you decide about yourself? Or what did you decide about life? And that is part of the brilliance of this technique. The guy who developed this, his name is Carl Dawson. He's just a genius. Because basically, this is a belief, a line of code in your operating system. It's often a core belief. that's just kind of wrecking your life. And instead of having to hunt for it, this little kid's just handing it to you on a silver platter. So then once you have that, then you do the tapping. So you have to know how to do tapping to do this technique. It's the engine that makes it run. So you tap on the younger self, you acknowledge what they're feeling as you're tapping, and it tends to just discharge it very quickly. You can start whatever they decided. My dad's hitting me because I'm a bad kid. You could start explaining, well, no, there's other things your dad could have done. He didn't have to hit you. And it's because he's angry and something's wrong with him, not because you're a bad kid. You could do that while you're tapping. But eventually, the younger self feels better. And you, you keep asking them, well, what are you feeling now? Eventually, they feel good enough where it's like, oh, the third question, how would you like this picture to change? And that's where it kind of turns into a bit of an adventure story. Sometimes it's very simple. I want dad to be a good dad, a nice dad. I'd ask my client, well, can you picture that for your younger self? And he might say, sure. My dad was in a rough period at this point. Later on, he was great. Yeah, I can easily picture my dad no longer being abusive, being really super nice. Great. Then you have the picture just that easy. Or my client might say, oh, hell no, I can't picture my dad being a good dad. He was horrible. There's a whole other avenue to go down there. <laughs> Man, I just find all of this so fascinating. I feel like we could talk for another hour. But for time's sake, for the listeners who are interested in learning more about EFT, matrix re-imprinting, or hacking their own realities, a link to your book will be in the show notes, hackingreality at mindlove.com slash 077. And where else would you love for listeners to connect with you online? Tappingthematrix.com. That's my website for my practice is definitely the way to go. Well, thank you so much for all of the wisdom you shared today. It's been so fascinating, and I wish you so much success in your book. 
Oh, thank you so much, Melissa. And your questions were brilliant. So you made this a delight. Thank you. I have to say that every time I went to edit this episode, I'd get this song stuck in my head. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. Tap your body. Tap your body. Okay, I'll leave that right there. I feel like you guys deserve an apology after that. I'm sorry. That should have never happened. All the links mentioned in this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 077. I will also be including a graphic with all of the tapping meridian points and the order that you'll tap. So I've been, I've been practicing it this week and it's actually pretty easy. There'll be a video in the show notes as well. So definitely head there. If you love Mind Love, please share it with a friend or take a screenshot of the podcast app and share it on Instagram and tag Mind Love Podcast or Mind Love Melissa, which reminds me the 30 days of IGTV video challenge that I am doing is at Mind Love Melissa. So meet me there, come check out some of the videos and share with me any topics that you might want to see on future episodes. And last, I just want to express my deepest gratitude for being a part of this journey with me. As you know, and as you've been following, this isn't just a podcast for me. It's a way of life. And you are witnessing firsthand somebody taking that big leap and quitting a good job to start something on their own. And if I can do it, you can do it. So my challenge for you this week is to think of something that you've been putting off. Maybe try tapping through it, seeing what's holding you back. And take a small action, even if that action is writing down all the steps you can think of to actually start making that dream a reality. That was my first step. I brain purged all of the things living in my head, broke them down into little increments, and just started doing a couple a day. It seems like doing that few in a day is going to lead you to nowhere, but you get there so much faster than you think because if you don't ever take an action, then years go by and you haven't made any progress. But even just spending 15, 20 minutes a day on something that's going to light you up, before you know it, you'll be able to look back in a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, and your whole life could be different. So thank you so much for supporting me on my journey and head to Instagram and let me know how I can support you on yours. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.